0: You're listening to Down Home Fear, exploring true crimes and strange happenings of the American South.
1: Welcome back to Down Home Fear. My name is H.H. Keegan. As many of you know, Down Home Fear doesn't just focus on true crime. It also focuses on folklore and legends and supernatural tales. And every once in a while, I like to do an episode that specifically focuses on those more haunted sort of stories, the ones that aren't just entirely based in verifiable fact. I've decided to call today's set of episodes Southern Horror Parts 1 and 2. There are two parts because I had two awesome guests come on and discuss some stories that they had selected for the show. I don't want to give anything away, so let's just get right into it. The stories for this segment include The Bell Witch and The Bunny Man Bridge Legends. And Part 2 of this series will include some completely separate stories for you guys to contemplate and maybe even lose a little bit of sleep over. After all, Halloween is right around the corner. So I'm sitting here today for the first time with two Guests who have agreed to come on, and I'm so excited to welcome them to Down Home Fear. We have a longtime friend of the show returning, so welcome back, Amy. Hi,
2: guys.
1: How have you been doing?
2: Been doing great. How have you been doing?
1: I've I've been doing well. I'm glad that we were finally able to uh, coordinate a time for you to come back on. I I know a lot of people enjoy hearing your stories, and you know it's just always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, bud. Um, and you have actually introduced me to someone else who is also interested in Southern true crime and macabre stories. So for the first time, I'd like to welcome to the show. Uh, Miss Vivian. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am excellent. So what made you agree to come on to this uh, podcast?
0: I like that you use that word like we're forced. So. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean I, feel, I feel like volunteer maybe? I feel like I definitely volunteered. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not here, you know, against my own will or anything.
1: Good, good. I, I would hope that you weren't. Um, but yeah. So so what made you decide to to come on? Is that less uh, aggressive sounding? Yeah, there? that
0: sounds good. Okay. I'm on board with that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So I did not realize that Amy had a appreciation for Southern Gothic things like myself. And once we made that connection, she introduced me to this podcast and gave it a listen, really, really liked it. And she wondered if it would be something that I would be able to participate in or wanted to share a story. So I said, yes, I absolutely immediately agreed.
1: That's awesome. And um, we had been talking about it for, Probably like, I don't know, a couple of months?
2: At, at least two months.
1: At least two months. Yeah, we'd been talking about it for a while. And so I was trying to think of a, a good um, episode for, for you all to come back in, uh, Amy and, and you for the first time, Vivian. And I thought that a really good group episode to do would be another Horror themed, supernatural themed episode. So, in the past, I've had people come on and w- we've spoken about various southern ghost stories or haunted locations, things like that. And I think it's always more fun for these sorts of shows to do them with other people, you know, to have that kind of, I don't know, campfire experience uh. of sorts. Um, so
2: also, is it worth mentioning that uh, Keegan and Vivian first met when we went to a reading on cannibalism?
0: I feel like oh, that's yeah. like a fitting yeah, thing was, for this.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually.
0: <laughs> Some good context.
1: We yeah, we were at a uh, book reading in Washington D.C. about uh, different forms of uh, cannibalism in in various uh, species of animal, and it, very very weird. And then we, afterward, we uh, we all went out to like a vegan restaurant.
2: Yeah, lost the lost the appeal of meat for a day, I guess. We
1: took it we took a brief break from steak and chicken and everything.
0: Just for one short meal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Without any uh, further delay, uh, we'll we'll get started. We have several different stories. I think the the listeners are really going to find these interesting. Some of them are pretty obscure so I, I'm really excited to hear them and, and discuss them with y'all. has volunteered to go first, so let's get started. What, what have you got?
2: All right, so uh, today I'm gonna talk about the Bell Witch, which is not the Blair Witch, don't, don't be mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so all right, cue the virtual flashlight beneath my chin. Um, okay. <laughs> the year is 1804. John Bell, his wife Lucy, and his family moved to Red River, Tennessee, which is now Adams, Tennessee, if you're familiar. The farmer grew his land and his fortune and the family lived a peaceful 13 years. But then in 1817, something changed their lives forever. John Bell saw an animal out in the field one night with the head of a rabbit and the body of a dog. John shot at the animal and it disappeared. So he thought it was the end of it. But then that night, the family began to hear strange noises, faint knocking on the doors and outer walls. But then, the noises became louder over time and varied. Rats scurrying, stones dropping, chains rattling, gulping and choking noises when no one was there. The family was afraid, but they didn't tell anybody. They kept it to themselves for about a year. Then a voice began to speak, in a faint whispering. The voice had a particular interest in one daughter, Betsy. She was attacked in her sleep, her hair pulled and welts and bruises appearing on her body. The voice began addressing the family members by name. She allegedly hated John Bell, the father figure of the family who first saw the animal in the field, and she vowed to kill him. She also spoke to Betsy, the girl that she beat up allegedly in the middle of the night, and warned her against marrying her intended hubby, Joshua Gardner. So. Okay. Quick
1: timeout. <laughs> all right. So we. So this all started. They heard, or they saw a, a strange like, rabbit uh, slash what fox like creature. Rabbit
2: dog. It was a, a rabbit. Head. So it's like a little. But like little a rabbit, rabbit like a
1: little hoppy bunny rabbit. Yeah,
2: but so like slash
1: dog, not a rabbit dog. No, not a rabbit okay. dog. Okay. Sorry
2: about that. It's like a little bunny head on a big dog body (laughs) oh my gosh
1: okay so they they saw this and then over a period of years so
2: over the period of a year like one night he saw the animal and then noises started happening and then they started getting more and more intense over the period of the year until finally they heard a voice and it was described in one account as like a whispering raspy voice of a woman, like an mm. old woman, mm. uh, and I think the account said that she was, you know, whispering Bible verses and whatnot.
1: As they do. As those they weird do. raspy old lady voices. In your home. In your home in the 1800s. In,
2: that's, the in okay, that's the key. that's uh, the key. But don't don't fear, because after the voice started happening, and a year of this had passed. John was like, hmm, maybe I should probably tell somebody about this. So he did. He confided in his neighbor, uh, James Johnson, which I think is a really solid name.
1: That's a great American name.
2: Right. Right. So (laughs) the Johnsons spent the night at the house. And after they witnessed the same strange things happening, Mr. Johnson suggested that they should probably tell more people in the town. So, <laughs> they didn't suggest they just move. No, they were like, we need to really look into this, or
1: that. There's like something wrong with them. Like, hey, are you sure that you guys aren't like drinking bad water? I mean, they
2: stayed the night. They saw it.
1: Oh, they so they witnessed the it. Johnsons
2: were like, oh, this creepy old woman is talking to me, and there's stones and rats and what what is going on? Okay. So uh,
1: all right. Well, I'm sorry for doubting them.
2: Yeah, you got to listen. And they did the smart thing. They, they were like, we need to get some experts in here. And we're going to form a committee, which is what they did. And the committee, <laughs> the committee uh, started it's an investigation. Democratic
1: process oh, of yeah. evicting witches from your house.
2: Well, OK, we're going to get into the witch language, because I, I, this oh, okay, is like so the nice. most interesting part of this. So, OK. OK. Uh, so we have the voice happening. And the committee is formed. And as a result. Um, the spirit began to attract visitors from miles around the town. So they would come into the house and they would ask this disembodied voice things, including who or what she was and it continued to give different identities. And it was... So a,
0: a ghost with split personalities. Maybe. Perhaps. Very
2: potential.
1: Maybe she's just messing with people.
2: I mean, if you were a ghost, what would you do?
1: Yeah, just haunt these poor settlers. Are- They weren't really settlers. They were farmers, right?
2: It was like... Yeah, they were farmers with a massive family. I don't remember... I didn't
0: write down how many family members there were, but it was a pretty big family. Hmm. Did anyone have any motivations to move them from their land? It
2: was not written down that anybody was like, let's move. But I would say that would be my first choice of action. But, okay, so these people show up to the house, which is another reason I would want to move, personally. Um, And... At one point when the voice is asked who it is, it says that it is a witch of a neighbor woman named Kate Bates. Hmm. So this is like a weird thing to me. A witch of a neighbor woman. And I was wondering if that meant it was a ghost of the neighbor or it was a ghost of the neighbor who was once a witch. Like what? But in multiple accounts, that's what was phrased. So I think the source material for this, that's what um, that's what it had down. So... The way I interpreted it was it's the spirit of a witch named Kate Bates. So from then on, the family called her Kate, or the Bell Witch was what, you know, everybody coming around for miles. Uh, How
1: um, how did they come to that name?
2: Uh, It was the witch of the neighbor woman named Kate Bates.
1: But but why the Bell Witch? Was the town called Bell? Oh, I'm or? sorry.
2: That's uh, the last name of the family. So John Bell. So it's like their oh, okay. property, okay. and they're like, oh, the Bell Witch. Um, Got it. And that will come up later as well. Um, but the most interesting guest out of all of those people... Surprise celebrity cameo, General Andrew Jackson shows up. Okay. Um, So the three of the oldest Bell sons had served under Jackson during the Battle of New Orleans, which it was in 1812. Um, And he had heard the story of the Bell Witch and knew them, so he decided to visit. So he rides up with his crew in a horse-drawn wagon. Um, And as they approached the farm, the wagon and the horses... Stop moving. And the horses are not able to pull the wagon any further with no explanation. They're trying, and it just won't move. So after getting out, trying different ways to do things, and trying to move the wagon, Jackson exclaimed, by the eternal, boys, it is the witch. That's my southern accent. It's not great.
0: <laughs>
1: um, that's all right.
0: I tried. Yeah. I give it a... 3.5 nice. out of 10. Nice. Out of 5. Yeah. <laughs> 3.5 out of 5, excuse me.
1: It's okay, we're not, we're not here to judge accents. Thanks, Sam. Um,
2: so great effort. In response to his exclamation, um, he heard a voice say, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. And just like that, the horses were able to pull the wagon again. Jackson had planned on staying the week with his crew, but after experiencing the wagon and apparently more of the witch's attacks during the night when they slept... Uh, The group left the bell farm the next day.
0: Could you describe the attacks?
2: There wasn't a lot of details on that, but my assumption is it's going to be the same thing where they're hearing noises and voices in the night. Mm. Um, I think it really only talked about the witch, witch, ghost, unclear, getting physical with Betsy specifically. Hmm. Um, But... As far as – I'm not sure how much we can trust Jackson actually came because there are yeah. accounts of the event um, that exist, but none of them are his. Like, he never wrote about it. So there, this is – like, he was famous at the time. Like, he was a famous general, and he gets more famous later on, mm-hmm. um, if you're familiar with, with Andrew American Jackson history. Or American history. Um, for those who don't live in the U.S., he was, like, a big figure.
1: Uh, he was um... – Mainly, uh, I th- he, like 1830s would have been when he was a president.
2: But Jackson never wrote about it. Um, so it is possible that this was completely fabricated because he is a famous figure in American history and he was famous at that point. Um, so it's entirely possible that people were just saying, oh, did you hear what celebrity showed up at the Bellwitch place? So I think that's that could definitely be part of it.
1: Right. And I, I think that like there would have to be historical accounts you know uh histories of his life that were written around the time and today that would corroborate that yeah it sounds a little sketchy to me so Um, we'll
2: on what, what year
1: I, what year was all this end? so that happened
2: in 1819 yeah so
1: andrew, andrew jackson would have been president around like 1830
2: yeah so, um, so it, this was, was this was a number of war years hero, though, yeah think, he was
1: yeah. a war hero and then eventual um racist uh I, I mean, genocidal genocidal a
2: racist uh, yeah. beforehand but um yeah
1: but also famous for Hunting witches, I guess. I
2: mean, <laughs> or, are famous or, for being afraid of them. Or and... famous
1: for being afraid of witches. <laughs> so
2: big question mark on that, but I I did find this like a funny part of the story.
1: Yeah, that is amusing.
2: Very goofy. So then, the next year in 1820, John Bell died, which is what the, vi- the what the witch had promised would happen. She would, vowed that she would kill him. Um, so when he dies, the family found a mysterious vital, which like a little container in the next room from where his body was. They fed the liquid that was in the vital to the cat, and the cat just straight up died. <laughs> why, would they, what, why would they do that? Yeah. To test what it was, is my assumption. How is
1: they were going to test if it kills cats or not? I
2: mean, maybe they were like, this is what killed John. Let's see. Or I mean, I feel like back in the day, people had a very different view in
0: the US of pets.
2: Right. I mean, I like they are more functional than they than now. That's when true. Your
0: dog wasn't a family member. They were, you know, a guard dog or a farm a herding animal. Yeah,
2: and like cats were around to keep away mice from farmhouses. They were a utility. Yeah, uh, like I wouldn't feed a random thing to my anybody's dog. You know what I mean? Now we we new dogs. Okay.
1: Different. Okay. We're getting so sidetracked Sorry, okay. on like animal rights in the so, early 1800s. You know, this like, cat
2: just dies. And okay. Then the cat dies. The witch's voice took credit for the death, which he had earlier vowed, and she could be heard laughing and singing during his funeral on the farm. So when they buried him, there she is being very joyful, which is super weird because there's no reason for him, for her to vow that she wanted to kill him for her to hate him. So it's kind of a weird thing to me. And then the next year, so a year after his death in 1821, the voice warned Bell's widow, Lucy, that she would return once again in seven years. Then, seven years later, the witch made her final appearance at the farm. She spoke with John Bell Jr. Um, and apparently predicted the Civil War. Little light on those details, though. so how... unclear in how she predicted it. But that's what was written about. Like, she predicted the Civil War. So
0: she predicted it would happen, or? Yes. OK,
2: but I mean, it, that would be in what? 1828, so a pretty early prediction, I By guess.
1: About, um, a little what, like 35 years?
2: Yeah, I kind of have we so war starting
1: 1860. Yeah,
2: so like a little bit early. Like, I don't know. I feel like if it was closer, you could be like, oh, they're just making it up because it was impending, but
1: I feel like, um, I mean there were some smart people back then. I think if you just had, like, basic understanding of, like, world economics and stuff, you know... like but was John
2: I, Bell Jr. one of those people? I don't
1: know. I mean, maybe he was a scholar of sorts, and he understood, like, the that's, ramifications of the slave trade and, yeah, you know, agrarian fair. stuff. I had this
2: view when I was reading about them having their meeting during the final appearance where, like, she shows up and they have tea. Um, obviously that doesn't happen, but that was the, my mental image of this meeting Um, but basically overall the details vary greatly on this story um, and it's likely the story has been exaggerated because the only written record is several years after all this stuff apparently happens Um, so just something to keep in mind and then an interesting tidbit some people think that the witch was just a ruse to break up the relationship between Betsy Bell and her fiance Joshua Gardner don't know if you remember me talking about that because the witch had this really strong opposition to the match. Um, so Betsy, out of fear, ended the relationship in 1821. So as a result, she was like, bye, we're not getting married. I'm too afraid of this witch. Um, three years later, she marries her schoolteacher Richard, Richard Powell. Um, Powell's first wife died in 1821, the same year Betsy Ended her engagement to Gardner. but before that, he was a family friend, and he had taken a great liking oh
1: my god, to god. There's her. so I'm, there's so many names. I know. I'm, I'm kind of I'm trying to keep them straight. So this
2: is the daughter that got like attacked in the night, and like she specifically, the witch was like, "You better call off your marriage to yeah. your intended." So like the,
1: like years before yeah, that, right? Yeah. In, like, when it first started,
2: eighteen, seventeen, or eighteen eighty is when uh, eighteen eighteen uh, is probably around when it happened. So he's the, I kind of find like. An issue with this because yeah maybe the guy likes her but he's married so why would he be telling like how would he make the witch thing happen is my question do you know what i mean like this is kind of a thin ruse uh conspiracy theory in my mind
1: so he was interested in her and he knew that she was going to be betrothed mm-hmm. to another man. And so he tried to create some sort of s- story that would scare her from, from marrying her, her intended Yeah, fiance. that's, like, the
2: theory that this whole thing was, like, fake. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, you can buy buy into whatever that, you think. That,
1: that would be, like, some real long-term... <laughs>
0: Well, you're already married. That's a married. very long con. That yes. is a super long con.
1: Yeah, that's that's like very sophisticated. I, yeah. yeah. I don't it's know.
0: Too intense.
2: But today, so if you're into it and you're near Tennessee, um, you can visit the Bell farm and the nearby cave, which is rumored to be where the witch lived. And there's like a whole story surrounding that that I, I figured wouldn't be too long for this podcast. But if you Google it, uh, it'll come up. Um, and an early version of the family's cabin has been recreated in the original spot. So if you want to get really spooked out, you can go to this recreated cabin.
1: You can see if you hear any strange voices. Or, or
2: chains.
1: Chains rattling in the night.
2: Yeah, super creepy. So that, that's well, the Bell Witch, guys.
1: That's a that's a crazy story. It's like you were saying. I mean, it's such an old story mm-hmm. that there's so much... Um, ambiguous information yeah and,
2: you you have no and, trustworthy narrator you yeah, know yeah
1: yeah that's um that's interesting though i definitely had heard of the bell witch i had yeah, it's not, one of
2: the most haunted places the cave is apparently one of the most haunted places in the united states
1: yeah it's on a lot of these ghost hunting shows and stuff and i knew that it was a thing i didn't really know much more about it though i had never heard the story about these uh these people just trying to chill on their farm and uh i guess being harassed by some
2: really crazy stuff in supernatural entities yeah. yeah it's pretty crazy but i i don't think it could be a i think the stories could be exaggerated i don't buy into the you know later husband of betsy setting this up like years in advance i just yeah. don't, i just don't buy that it so, sounds a
0: little unlikely yeah
2: so i'm not i'm not on board for that but you know it could definitely have been exaggerated
0: Ooh, spooky! Do we know if the rabbit dog was ever no, found or seen again? That was the again? only
2: mention of the rabbit dog that I found.
1: Yeah, what's up with that detail? It's like so unlike all the other stuff. I thought, like, you know. when you started with that, I was like, oh, is this gonna be like yeah, a I'm cryptid? Uh, you know, like a strange, mysterious creature, like a chupacabra or I something? It might have
2: just been an omen.
1: An omen. But yeah. I really
2: do like the idea of like a tiny bunny rabbit head on like a big like mastiff dog or something ridiculous
0: like that. It's very goofy imagery. I feel like once you picture it, it's not quite as scary. No, it's definitely not scary. (laughs) I
1: mean, it's an abomination of God. There you go. That's why, you know, I'm sure that's why they they were like, the Lord didn't create no rabbit dog creature. He was
2: banned from his church. I didn't mention this. He was banned from his church as a result of what was happening. Yeah, he was like very involved in the church and they banned him because of the witch.
1: Yeah, they were like, he's haunted by demons, like, stay away from our nice little... Get John
2: out of here. Yeah. John's gotta go. John's gotta go. (laughs) Him and his dog, Rabbit, need to go. Poor John. Poor John.
1: So um, this is the Bunny Man Bridge.
2: Oh, I want, yeah, I love this. Okay, that's great. That's great. We're, it's a Virginia favorite spooky story.
1: Right. Okay. So this next story that I am going to do is a um, popular urban legend from Northern Virginia, and in the past, a lot of people have suggested that I do this story on the show, and it actually has been covered. Um, in a very early DHF episode, but it's one of the ones that I ended up taking down. So here it is again, revamped, more scary, more weird, I guess. Um, But Amy and I, I think for sure heard this a lot when we were kids growing up in Northern Virginia. Uh, And this is the story of the Bunny Man Bridge This is a uh, tale that has a lot of different variations, so I'm going to read one that's kind of a combination of some of the more well-known versions, and it goes a little something like this. After the Civil War, countless soldiers had been driven mad from the horrors of combat an insane asylum was erected near the town of Clifton, Virginia, in order to house the traumatized and psychotic men. Obviously, the people of Clifton, Virginia, weren't totally on board with having this huge mental asylum right in their town, and because of the public outrage, eventually the asylum was closed, and officials made attempts to relocate the insane men to halfway houses and other mental facilities further north but despite their best efforts many dangerous patients managed to escape during the relocation process so allegedly there were You know, hundreds of these men who were trying to be moved out, and a lot of them were, like, slipping away and managing to run off into the woods, basically, in the late 1800s um, in Northern Virginia. Luckily, many of the escaped patients were quickly found, except there was one man... Named Douglas J. Grifton. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. (laughs) Who had been been nicknamed the Bunny Man because he murdered his wife and children on Easter Sunday many years before.
2: That sucks. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was the background for the name.
1: That's horrible. Apparently in one version of this story, there's that detail included that, that that is why he was known as the Bunny Man. And authorities did not know what had happened to him, but they believed that he was still camping somewhere in the area around Clifton, Virginia, because they would find countless mutilated and half-eaten rabbit corpses scattered throughout the forests. Gross. It, it is pretty gross. Of course, Clifton's exact whereabouts and intentions remained a mystery, Until one October, when a local man was found hanging beneath the Colchester Overpass, which is a secluded bridge tunnel that runs beneath an old railroad track in the area. The man had been gutted, and his organs had been partially devoured. A note had been pinned to his corpse as well. It said, You'll never find me. Stay out of my woods. Signed, The Bunny Man. A couple of weeks later, the police finally caught up with Grifton and at this point they chased him through the woods and as he attempted to cross the railroad tracks that passed right over that infamous Colchester overpass where his victim's body had been found, he was hit by an oncoming freight train and killed instantly. But his spirit is still said to live on and haunt the bridge where he died. Over the following century, Strange disappearances and mutilations continued occurring in Clifton. The bodies of young lovers who had gone to the bunny man's woods hoping to get lucky were discovered (laughs) hacked apart by an axe.
2: That part isn't funny. But the the young lovers part was...
1: (laughs) It is said that to this day, those who visit the bunny man bridge where the man was found hanging so many years ago If you visit at night, it's said that you are sure to see the ghost of the bunny man, now dressed in a grotesque bunny mask and carrying with him a bloody axe.
2: That's so interesting because I have heard about some specific nights being extra creepy there. Like Halloween is when a lot of kids, like high school kids, would roll up to Bunny Man Bridge just try to see the ghost.
1: Yeah, Bunny Man Bridge is a... Definitely real uh, location in, uh, in Clifton, Virginia. And many people will go there at night to try to take photographs or um, what have you. It's a, it's a really creepy looking little bridge. Um, it, basically, it, it's just as it was described in the story, a, uh, a very narrow bridge tunnel with a uh, railroad uh, track running across it. So it's a it's an iconic location. You can find lots of photos of it online. Uh, funnily enough, it's actually not in that secluded of an area these days. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to get to, and there's a lot of. I've I've been told this by one of my brothers actually, who has told me that he's visited this place, and he was saying that it's actually pretty much in uh, like an old neighborhood somewhere and to get to it you you essentially have to drive onto people's property so a lot of the homeowners in the area um will will call the cops on you and stuff because they're sick they're sick of like these like 16 year old idiots trespassing on their property and uh and all that
2: Uh, did he go there is that was that what happened your brother
1: he he I I don't think he got like chased off by the police or anything. That's good. But yeah, he he said that I think uh he and his friends when they were in high school, they uh drove out there to check it out one night or something. Did he see
2: anything?
1: He did not see anything. He's yeah. also he's very much not really into that supernatural stuff. Hmm. So I think uh yeah, I think he had other motivations for being out there. <laughs>
2: Fair
1: enough. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um no, um, I'm, I'm joking, of course. But so the interesting thing Why, about this is <laughs> that's, that's the real mystery. No. Uh, so this story actually dates back to the 1970s. And the interesting thing about it to me is that there are little tidbits of reality in the story. Mm-hmm. So um, on October 19th, 1970, a young couple were hooking up in their car out near the Colchester Overpass um, A.K.A. Bunny Man Bridge, and a as they're they're like making out or whatever in their car, a, a guy dressed in a hood, possibly a bunny costume. We can't say for sure. <laughs> he ran up to them, swinging a. Uh, an axe oh, no. and smashed out one of their windows and started yelling at them to get off his property. And so these two young people actually contacted the police mm. and the incident was investigated. But unfortunately, nothing was found. However, a separate incident occurred on October 29th,
2: 1970.
1: Right around Halloween. Right around Halloween when a construction uh, security guard. Spotted a suspicious man standing on the porch of an unfinished house creepy. Yeah And so he he confronted the man and, and when he did the, the man started yelling and chopping at the house with an axe Yelling at the guard that he was trespassing
2: That's really creepy. To me. It,
1: it is really creepy. Can you imagine it's like 1970. It's before cell phones you're walking around there in I guess the unfinished housing development and there's a strange man with an axe just swinging it around, screaming nonsense at you. I tail that it, out of there. It's, no yeah. Way I would stick around. Yeah, it's creepy, right? Yeah. Um. So police I- investigated this case as well, um, but both of the investigations were closed due to lack of evidence. Despite this, the crimes were reported in the local news... And in the following weeks, over 50 different reports of the bunny man came in.
2: People were saying they
1: had seen this
2: mysterious man,
1: mysterious, strange
2: man. I feel like the axe is very unique, too. Like, who goes around swinging axes? That, like, I feel like a baseball bat, maybe. Right. It's like in a neighborhood. I kind of get that. But, like, you got to go pick up an axe and try to scare people with it? I feel like that's a recipe for disaster.
0: It's definitely a very common recurring theme with urban legends. That's fair. Yeah. You know, you've got the Hookman, which is a very specific incident, but it's the, there are many other instances where axes are... Yeah. Axemen are... Or- featured in that's the what urban I'm legends. Like, I feel like that's a lot
2: scarier than like a guy with a baseball bat, right? Like, you would, I would believe that to be more of a...
1: Well, a baseball bat is kind of a, a normal thing to exactly, have around. The axe yeah. takes it to a whole other level of, of creepy. W- weird yeah. serial killer it's intrigue. It's a little more
0: viking <laughs> y- Yeah,
1: it's, it, it's definitely a lot more violent in appearance. Um, but the uh, the reality of the story kind of ends there all, all this stuff about a uh mental asylum and, and a bunch of uh traumatized or psychotic men escaping from it into the woods in the region is verifiably false oh, so there
2: was no there's
1: never been a large mental asylum in mm. clifton virginia Interesting. The, the way it's described in in this story so um I have a couple of questions for you. Yes, hit
2: us. I have
1: follow-up questions for my stories today. So
2: excited. All right, I'm ready. Uh,
1: the first one is, on a scale of scariness, where do you rank this? What's, one to ten. What's,
2: like, a ten for you? What,
1: yeah, what's the scale? Ten, it, it, well, it's kind of subjective, but I guess ten would be whatever, like, the most horrifying story you could imagine hearing mm-hmm. that would really unsettle you. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be something that... It, you just think it's silly and, and and not scary at all
2: gotcha i'd probably put this solidly at like a five because like the idea of a guy swinging an axe around in any situation is really scary to me but like then you add the supernatural tidbit but i think it brings it down a little bit because we don't really like the background story seems a little uh there are some holes in the background story
1: yeah yeah for sure i think um as a kid when i heard it it, it would have been like eight or a nine, Oh yeah
2: when I, well, I was definitely afraid of the bunny Man bridge when i heard it as a kid
1: yeah i thought it was so scary um and you know now as an adult you see it's just this mix of um basically acts of vandalism <laughs> <laughs> you know if you look at it in like the lamest lens it's just acts of vandalism yeah. and and kind of uh a weird uh, way. W- what about you, Vivian? I would say it's
0: a solid four for me. Yeah. It's not quite a... I mean, obviously, a man with an axe coming at you in an isolated area is pretty terrifying, but I think the fact that the background story doesn't quite corroborate the that possibility, actually. Oh, yeah, cool. so I'm a little skeptical mm. of the actual threat there, but it just picturing myself either as that policeman you know in the middle of the night where there's a random person in an unfinished house hacking and things so that yeah four four or five for me yeah (laughs) i do think
2: when i was a kid the other reason i was so scared of it was because they really like whoever told me the story i think really played up the halloween aspect of it so like i think the way i was told again keegan said there were a lot of variations of the story so the one i was told was he only showed up on Halloween night. Um, and that had something to do with it. And I think that yeah. was like a scarier thing for me because as a kid, like Halloween has been it, it's, it's attached
1: to like a specific time frame. Yeah. So you're like, oh man, I really, like, really need to be looking out.
0: Yeah. There
1: um yeah, I I I think it's weird. Do you guys think that if the mental asylum historical aspect was Real, like if there had been an escaped person who had killed someone back in like the early nineteen hundreds, and then there was this other incident, even if it was unrelated in the seventies with the guy with the axe, w- would that have made it scarier?
0: Yeah, I think I think
2: the the more truth to the story, the scarier it is, right? The yeah, the more believable
0: it becomes. Absolutely, I think every time you see a scary movie and they throw up that slide that says. Inspired by a true story. It just makes it ten times scarier because you can actually imagine it happening and I you have wonder a sense what of happened to the people reality. exactly <laughs> <laughs> like, where are they now yeah, who told this story <laughs> who I survived mean, this tale yeah. to tell this story you could do
1: it like in the conjuring where uh, james wan uh, puts up like photos of the actual mm. people you know even even if the stories were like totally fabricated they still put those photos up to like make it feel more authentic yeah. or genuine or, and or I what think have like, you like
2: when you have that connection either to history or to real people like that are alive now, I feel like it's definitely, like you can picture yourself there more and you can get more grounded. I don't
1: know. You, yeah, you're, there's more of an emotional tie yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was part one of our two-part Southern Horror series. I hope you'll go ahead and check out part two as well. It's available now for downloading or streaming. These episodes, if you haven't noticed, are a lot more lighthearted than the standard DHF content. So they're a lot of fun to record, and I hope you guys have as much fun listening to them as we do creating them. Remember that you can always check out downhomefear.com for additional content. You can always join the Facebook group Downhome Fear Podcast. And of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at downhomefear. Fear. Additionally, I can be emailed at downhomefear at gmail.com. Before we wrap up, I do want to mention, as I was listening back to the audio from the recording that Amy, Vivian, and I did, I realized that I said that the Civil War started in 1860. Just want to go on record as saying, I know that that's not correct. It actually began in 1861. Okay, I think I've done my due diligence on that one. My name is H.H. Keegan. As always, thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. Check out Southern Horror Part 2, available now.
2: Fear is an independently produced podcast. To support the show, visit
0: www.downhomefear.com.